may have slide seven, please, Jim. I'd like to, this morning, I'd like to invite you to really read the scriptures with me. There's a lot here, and I'd like to try to um, talk you through, if I may, and teach you through what the teacher is trying to say, say to us. And so, I, as I've read this passage, I've tried to come up with some questions that I think speak to what the passage is raising for us. So I see three questions, and I take what I see in the passage and apply it to all of us. So here's the first one. What is it that we pursue endlessly? Is there something that's common to all of us that we all pursue endlessly? And if that's true, why is this so disappointing? And why is it often so pointless? And then at the end of our passage, he offers a solution. What is it? We'll get there. I, I thought about this after the first service. I didn't do a very good job of setting it up. So let me, let me set this up with you, if I may. I, I think, so can I have a big umbrella of mercy today? <laughs> so if, if I use the word a nomad or a resident, do you understand what I'm talking about? A nomad is a person who, who just is traveling. It's, it doesn't have a set place. It's just she or he is moving around because a nomadic life is not one that has a residence. A resident is someone who has a place, a home, a set, setting place. Is this true? Am I right in reading the scriptures say that we are pilgrims? We are foreigners? We are aliens? We are nomads? Am I, did I read that correctly in scripture? then why do I live as though this is my home forever? Why do I live as though this is my permanent residence? I think that's part of what the teacher is asking us to think about. If you want to flourish, we have to start with, we need to embrace that we will die. If we can embrace that in a, in, a, in a beautiful way, not a morbid way, we're going to die, somehow we have a freedom to live. We can intentionally live because we know we're going to die. And then because we believe in what is to come, we can flourish in this life into the next. But, but, if this is it, if this is my life, this is, this is it, what is it I pursue endlessly? So I want you to think about this now one more time. If this is it, if I actually live as though this is it, what is it I endlessly pursue? And I'm going to answer the question early. We pursue our personal happiness. If we think this is it, this is it, this is the life, I'm a, I'm a resident here, now, I can talk about dying and going to heaven, blah, 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 but I don't believe that. I'm a resident here. Since I live here, I have to seek happiness now. And that's what the teacher is going to take us through. He's going to take us through all the different things he has tried that we have tried to become happy. So let's look at it together. Could you with me, please? First slide, uh, Jim, can I have two and three just to remind you where we've been? So this is the sermon series in a couple bullet points. The last one will not make sense for several more weeks, but we start with this. 
We acknowledge the brevity of our lives. We live for a short time. But this allows us to embrace our deaths so that, here's the purpose, we can enjoy this life moving into the next because we know one day when Christ returns, all will be beautiful, right, good, and perfect. So, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 2.26. And I'm going to talk you through it, teach you through it if I could, and then try with an illustration. So, I'm going to, so forgive me for being a bit, um, I'm going to be a bit slow because I want to make sure you stay with me here. And I hope everyone has a Bible or access to a Bible because I'm going to read a lot of scripture. So, chapter 1, verse 12. And if, and if I use the word hebel, H-E-B-E-L, what do I mean by hebel? Meaningless, vanity, breath, breeze, okay? It's, 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 used, it's used 13 times here. Before I forget. This is, this, so, I've just tried to communicate if this is our home and I'm pursuing happiness, who is the most important person in my life? So as I read this passage, I want you to watch, listen to the pronouns. 39 times, 39 times, I. 28 times, me, myself, and my. 67 times, me, happiness, because this is where I live. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to see how often he talks about himself and his pursuit for happiness. And could you look for yourself in there somewhere? So chapter 1, verse 12. Wisdom is hevel. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I was the king. So here's the first thing he seeks happiness. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that was done under the heavy burdens. He wants to get degrees, PhDs, masters. He wants to be smart. And then he says, what a heavy burden God has laid on humankind. I have seen all the things done under the sun, and all of them are hevel, meaningless, vanity, breath, breeze. It's a chasing after wind. He takes a proverb of that day. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Chapter 2, pleasures are hevel. So I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But this also proved to be hevel. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? So what's he doing? What, where is he looking for happiness? I'm going to give you some paraphrases here. So let's go to the comedy club. Let's watch Seinfeld. Let's watch funny things. Let's, let's, let's be entertained. Let's have, let's, let's, let's just laugh. Let's, let's, let's find things to laugh. So I want to find happiness. If I can find enough, enough fun, funny things, I'm going to be, that, that, that's going to make me happy. What does he say in the next verse? He says in the next verse, but that proved to be hevel. Laughter is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? So now he's going to try wine. I, I tried cheering myself with wine, embracing folly. And the phrase there, it carries two directions. So it goes two ways. Embracing wine. So I'm going to give you the, the two extremes. It is to, it is to buy a 10,000 bottle of wine. I mean, a really, really 
really good, expensive bottle of wine. I want to find happiness in really good wine. Or, or it can also mean partying your eyes out. Drink till you're drunker than drunk. Drink till you're passed out drunk. I'm going to just find, I'm going to find happiness with alcohol. So then he says, I embrace and follow my mind still guiding me. So, so even though I'm drunk, my mind is still working. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the suns during the few days of their lives. Oh, now here's the next one. So I undertook great projects. So I'm going to find happiness in my job. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem. I massed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. So what's he saying? I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to, I'm going to become really successful. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to become really successful. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be the richest man ever. So, so far, he said, I'm going to be happy if I can find something funny. I'm going to be happy if I can either have a 10,000 bottle of wine or I can party my butt off. I'm going to be happy if I make the biggest, famous buildings in the world. I'm going to be happy if I have more money than anybody else. Well, he goes on. He says in the next verse, I acquired male and female singers in a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. If this was Solomon, if the speaker is Solomon, he had a thousand wives and girlfriends. And this male and female singers, it's all about sex and sensuality. Okay, so I'm going to be happy if I can laugh. Well, it doesn't work. I'm going to be happy if I can get smart. Didn't work. I'm going to be happy if I can have big job and get famous. Didn't work. I'm going to be happy if I can get really rich. Doesn't work. I'm going to be happy if I can have sex with boys and girls and men and women, whoever I want, as much as I want. It doesn't work. So then what does he say? I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Me, 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 me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, so all the things I just described, and what toil and I toiled to achieve, everything was hevel, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And that to be fair is, is nothing is left over when I die. So then, wisdom and folly are meaningless. I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fools walk in darkness. But, but, I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. They both will die. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool overtake me also. So what have I gained by being wise? I said to myself, this too is Hevel, 
For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come and both have already been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So let me illustrate it for you. So he is living as though this life is all there is. And if this is all there is, and I want to be happy, well, then maybe if I laugh enough, maybe if I am smart enough, maybe if I'm rich enough, maybe if I'm successful enough, maybe if I have enough sex, one of those things will be happy. And then he says, everything, everything, everything is meaningless. Money, wisdom, sex, jobs, whatever. Balloons. And now it dawns on him. What is my life? What have I been doing all my life? Hevel. Everything is Hevel. Now all of a sudden, for him, if you read, we're going to see, all of a sudden the light bulb's starting to turn on. Because if this is it, I ain't happy. Let me go a little farther. Let's keep going. Look at verse 17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun, all the stuff of this terra firma life was grievous to me. All of it is hevel, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is Hebel. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. And then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is Hevel and a great misfortune. So what do people get for all their toil and anxious striving with which they labored under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is heaven. So can I now stop? Application. So what balloons have you been pursuing for your happiness? And when you finally obtained your balloon, how happy have you become? Are you flourishing? 
You see, he's really pushing to the deeper meanings of life. What fundamentally is it that makes us happy? And one of my concerns, and if you've listened to me over these last several years, one of my concerns with the pace of life, and this has been really going on if you follow the research done by Dr. Richard Swenson starting in 2017, he argues pretty persuasively that if you look at the rate and pace of change in humankind, it's been a pretty consistent line until about 2000. And since 2000, it's become a J-curve, and it's going straight up. In the midst of the incredible fast pace of our lives and all the information and communication coming at us from so many places, our inability to rest, to be, be calm in our spirits, what I'm observing is we're losing a sense of that which is eternal. And we're fighting, we're just so focused on being happy now. And then we can't find the happiness. And then we become cynical and bitter and defensive. And we try and we try and we try and we try and it doesn't satisfy. So what the teacher is trying to say to us, and this is one of the things we talk about in our action steps, I've used now every week. When we gather in worship for a few moments, we re-center. So this is why I keep saying to you, you and I will die. But we who are in Christ will never die. For Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will not die. So let me give you how it works for me personally. And Mike used Venite, this prayer book, leading us in our first segment of, of adoration and praise. So everyone, here's this is the funeral folder from our son. And every morning, I read what's called the commemoration. And included in the commemoration are these words. So, so I'm talking about, do, am I a resident here or am I just passing through? Do we live in this life to the next and therefore we can learn to be content with whatever God sends us? Or do we have to fight and fight and strive to find happiness now which never makes it? So I read this every morning to myself. We commend Kirk to you as he journeys beyond our sight. Receive him, Lords, into the, into the Lord, into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, in the glorious company of all your saints. And then I quote Jesus, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever has faith in me will have life forever. Everyone who has committed themselves to me in faith will not die forever. As for us, we know that our Redeemer lives, and we will see him upon the earth. We, our eyes shall see and behold the one who is our love and not a stranger. For none of us becomes a life in our own. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So if we live, or if we die, we are the Lord's. We are pilgrims, and we're just passing through. And all of a sudden, I don't need wine. I don't need to get drunk to get happy. I don't need sex to be happy. I don't need to be wealthy to be happy. I don't need to be famous of projects. I don't need... 
what I need to be happy is to know we are accepted and called and loved and cherished by God. And because of that, I can say, I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through. I'll go back to my sentence, Jim, slide three. So you understand what I'm poking out all the time here? We, if we face our deaths honestly, we can choose to live life intentionally, which allows us to flourish. In the last service, someone on the side, right where um, Chris is sitting, just gave a comment. It sounds like flourishing in love sounds like learning to be content. So I want you to think about this. St. Paul wrote, I have learned to be content, whether in plenty or in want. In 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about his life. And three times, he is given the 39 lashes. So in that day, you were stripped naked, you know this. You were whipped with all kinds of terrible things. Only 39 times. The, ex the executioners were so good, they could bring you to the point of death and not kill you. Three times. He was stoned, not pot, stoned. He was left for dead, hungry, left at sea, shipwrecked. And he said, I have learned to be content. Why? Can they, I'm quoting St. Paul. To live as, I can live, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And so he could say, you want to kill me? Have at it. Have at it. Kill me. Go ahead. And what do you see in church history? How many Christian women and men have said to those, go ahead and kill me. Go ahead. And the executioners don't know what to do because they understand they're not permanently residents here. They're hoeing home. So let me give you a couple things to think about. Slide seven again. So this is what I'm poking at. What do we pursue endlessly? I, I'm, I'm convinced many of us, most of us, all of us, we pursue our personal happiness. Why is this so disappointing? Because we never remain very happy. Is that true? And what's a teacher's solution? Chapter 2, 24, 25. So now he begins to offer his solution. He says a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Can I have slide number 11, second, please, Jim? So what does he, what does he just say? Simple things. Give me the last one. What he says, what, what I'm asking you in action step is after you leave here is you have a Sabbath meal. Meaning what? You find someone, make a new friend, someone you care, and you sit and you actually eat together. And look and listen to each other's heads and hearts. And just spend, even with, I know it's crazy with little children and we're single, as we can Find some people with whom to share a meal and actually say, can we just, just talk? 
just have time together and hear and see. The first service, Christy Vanderbilt is an accomplished pianist, and she played a prelude, a song before the service. And I was sitting here in light of the ch chapter 224. I said to the whole congregation in the first service, Christy, thank you. Those few measures, so beautifully played, was a gift. It was pleasure. Having a meal and just looking at those you love or those new friends you're meeting and hearing stories and listening and speaking blessing, it's huge. Now, this is where he's going. This is what he says. If you understand you're just here for a short time, enjoy the simple pleasures. Now, I'm going to get pushed back because someone's going to say to me, and I wrote this down, Okay, Kevin, so what you're saying in 225, let me read 224. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God. That's 224. And at first glance, it feels like this. Eat, drink, and demarry, Corver, because tomorrow we're going to die. So just might as well just live it up today because we're going to die. Let me flip it on you. Eat, drink, and be merry. Because that is what there is. Not that's all there is. A good meal, a good conversation, a prayer, one for the other. Looking in the eyes of someone you love and say, I'm sorry, I should not have spoken like that to yesterday. That is how we experience happiness. Because fundamentally, happiness comes from two relationships. This one. And this one. Yes? And so our strategic plan sentences flourish in love. What's going to last forever? What's going to make you happy? What will make us all happy? It is knowing we are in a love relationship with the Creator. Many of you know I don't sleep well on Saturday nights, and so I was here at 4 o'clock, and I stood at that door right there. Who's up at 4 o'clock this morning? Did you see the, see the moon? The moon was red. I stood at that door and I looked up at that moon and I thought, oh my, our creator has done good work this morning. That's a simple pleasure. After the first service, someone who, in the, before the first service, someone who was in some physical pain walked in and I could walk over and the person's hunched over and I got down to this person's level and I said, it is so good to see you this morning. She said, really? I said, yeah, really. See, that's a simple, it's a relationship. It's a simple pleasure. So what, what the teacher is going to start doing in Ecclesiastes is saying, you want to be happy, remember you're a nomad. You're just walking through. 
in that light, all that's important is relationships. Love God, be loved by God. Love people, be loved by people. Let's go on. Let me finish with verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 25, and he says, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it to the one who pleases God. And this too is Hevel, a chasing after the wind. So I'll explain that more in three weeks. Go back to 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction. So let's take a couple minutes. Could we, could we have a little bit of neighborhood conversation? Slide number eight. Worship leaders, come on up during this. Could you pick a question? If you're comfortable, if you're comfortable, what balloon have I been f- focusing on, my pursuit of happiness? And the last one, just pick one. Just have some conversation. If you ha- don't have someone to sit with you, talk with you, either reach out to someone or just be quiet. But let's take five minutes. What, talk about this. What balloons are you focusing on? What's been the focus of your life to find happiness?
Okay, thank you so much for conversation. More to come. So next week I'm going to build on this by talking about time. Time at a macro level, seasonal time, but also personal time. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. So slide number nine. Can we talk about action steps? So I'm going to say thank you. Mike, thank you for all the ways you've prayed and been participating in ministry. I want to say thank you for coming to worship, live worship. Can I invite you to please come back? Why? We want to recenter together. We want to refill together so that we can reflourish together. And then I just encourage you to do a Sabbath meal instead of Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11. It's, it's chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. If someone could just read it and just have, what do you think? Which balloon are you trying to find happiness? And just have some conversation. Pray for each other. Offer a blessing. Would you join me in prayer, please? Can we take a moment and if the Holy Spirit's been just convicting you of seeking happiness in something very transient, would you ask for help to move away from these balloons that burst into relationships that last? Specifically, would you pray for the people with whom you live? And would you pray that the relationship you share with them would be filled with love? And if you're a single person, would you think about those family members, friends who are close with you, close to you? Would you pray for a blessing for them? Would you pray for yourself and ask for a a heart that sees beyond the few years you live in this planet that goes on for eternity into the new heaven and new earth? Would you pray for an eternal perspective? Lord, we pray that you would surprise us with more of your presence, more of your good gifts, and more of your life so that we can be women and men, boys and girls, who flourish in love. So Lord, we say we will build our lives upon you. We will build our lives upon you. We ask for help in doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.